Welcome to Afros in the Diaspora. My name is Sarah. I am your host. And together we will vent, rant, laugh, and cry as we discuss the highs and lows of being an immigrant. Stay tuned for stories that will inspire, inform, entertain, and give hope. This is Afros in the Diaspora. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Obaro OBJ, a.k.a. <laughs> a.k.a. OBJ. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I am good. How about yourself? I am well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of today's podcast. I hope you're excited for our conversation today. Of course. And thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. I'm very excited. So let's get into our icebreakers for today. I'm going to quiz you. You remember current affairs in your secondary school? Uh, in Nigeria. Uh, no. In, in Nigeria. <laughs> it's okay. I, I wish myself the best of luck. I wish you the best of luck too. It, this should be easy. You know, it was one of those things they had us do in school that most people still know it today. you forget I did primary school in Nigeria. Uh-huh. So. You learned it in primary school. It's not, it's not hard, uh, I promise. Okay, you forget I only did what's um, was below primary school. Elementary school in Nigeria. Elementary school and primary school are the same thing. See your head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can't can't escape now. (laughs) You can't escape it. I'm about to be exposed. You see, you got this. You're an engineer. You got this. Okay, let's go. I want you to tell us state and capital of the state in Nigeria. Do states and capital. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Do you remember? Mm -hmm. State and capital, go. Of Nigeria, right? Uh-uh. Of, of, of Ethiopia, you're not serious. <laughs> of Nigeria. Uh, Abuja is the uh, the capital. And it's in the... Wow, you're making me nervous all of a sudden. So, Abuja... Abia, Umaya, Adamawayola. That's what I should be hearing right now. <laughs> I don't know that one anymore. I know I know what you're talking about. I know that one you're talking about. But uh, ask me only about Lagos, Delta State. And that's it. I, I give up. No, I'm already sweating. It's hot. <laughs> Damn, all my credentials right now, you just exposed me for <laughs> you know, you know last time I heard that that last time I heard that song has to be like twenty something years ago. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'll take this L. You know what? It's alright. It's a lesson. That's all. Let me redeem myself. What's the next one? I'm ready. Remember though, I have been out of Nigeria for twenty twenty what? Twenty four years. Yeah. That's a long that's, time. That's a long time. That's okay. A long time. Yeah. Let me let me have mercy for you. Let me mercy for you. How many countries are in Africa? And name ten. Fifty-four. Okay, so we got Nigeria, we got Ghana, we got Egypt, we got Libya, we got uh Burundi, uh you got Uganda, you got Cameroon, you got uh Mozambique, you got uh Eritrea, you got Ethiopia, Ethiopia, you got um Sudan, you got uh, Cote d'Ivoire. It's got, okay, um, it's okay. Ask you to lose I mean, your stay. No, no if, it's, if it's geography, you, if it's geography of countries, I can do that in my sleep. Okay, now let's have you do the one for Canada. All the provinces in Canada and their capital cities. Let me start with the obscure one. So there's PEI. <laughs> there's, uh, so that's Prince Edward. Um, then there is Newfoundland. So that's the obscure and one. And the capital the cities. One. Oh, and the capital cities. Yes. Oh, yeah, Newfoundland. No, I, I don't know. 
But let's okay, let's let's go let's go easy. Ottawa and Ontario, Edmonton and Alberta, Vancouver and BC, Regina and Saskatchewan. Oh, Winnipeg and Manitoba, yeah. And um, I know I'm missing another one. So there is BC. Oh, by the way, capital city of BC is actually Victoria. That's what I said. I said Victoria. You said Vancouver. No, I said Victoria. I think your ears are not working. I said Victoria. <laughs> I think I think Yukon territory is Nunavut. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. Let me know. All these quizzes I'm doing are, you know, putting you on the hot seat. White Horse. That's the capital. Mm-hmm. And then we have Yellow Knife for something else. Are you literally looking at Google yeah. right now? No, of course not. So uh, what are you looking at? My globe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Quebec. Quebec. Quebec Montreal. Ah, it's not Quebec City. You know what? It's Quebec City. It's actually Quebec City. Ah. You're right. You're right. Ah. You're right. I know I passed that citizenship test. All right. Thank you for engaging with me in those, answering those questions. And That first one, I would say I was hacked. Huh? You were hacked. Time. I was hacked. <laughs> was it know? AI? <laughs> I, it was AI. You know AI these days, man. You come, you know, matter of fact, this entire thing, you're talking to an AI right now. You're, you're not well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for engaging with me in that. Appreciate it. Anytime. As we get into this topic, I want you to kind of give us a background about your story as an immigrant. I know you have traveled worldwide. You know what I mean? You've lived in Mm. different continents and you have different experiences. So I just want you to give us a quick, you know, background so we have an idea of who you are. For sure. For sure. So as I mentioned initially, I left Nigeria 24 years ago. And I actually left Nigeria when I was 11. So who wants to do the math and do the math there? So I left Nigeria when I was 11. <laughs> and uh, my fam- my dad, he got a job posting in Venezuela, in South America. So we moved there. We lived there for four and a half years. And then from Venezuela, we moved to the States, where I was there for about four years or so. Yeah, I did senior year. I mean, junior year and senior year of high school in Houston. And then I did my first two years of university in San Antonio before eventually moving to Calgary in 2009, where I continued my studies and I'm here. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so, yes, uh, yeah, just kind of got the chance to explore just a few facets of what, <laughs> of, uh, I guess, yeah, different countries really. Yeah. For solid years before settling down here. And here being Canada. Yes, yeah, yeah, in Calgary, Canada. Calgary, Canada. Wow. Okay. Now, fun fact. Oh. Fun fact. Calgary is now the place or the city I've lived the longest amount of years in. So yeah. you've been in Canada so, longer than you've been anywhere else. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So this was like crazy. this is home, home. Eventually, it became home, home. Yeah, took a minute, but yeah, it became home, home. Yeah, I think it usually takes a moment, especially like you, you move, it sounds like you moved from Nigeria to Venezuela to the US and then here, like it's. Yeah. 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 Like I, I did not see, even when I hit that 11, 12 year mark, I still didn't see Calgary as like a permanent thing. It just felt like, a, oh, I'm here for the moment. Hmm. But after 12, 13 years, 14 years, you're like, oh, maybe not. How has uh, how has settling in all these different places kind of affected your own self-identity um, and your own perception of your blackness or your yourself as an immigrant in spaces? Yeah, you know, that that's a question I'm still able to answer today, but I'm much more settled today. Um, but for 
the longest time in different spaces, I just wasn't sure of what I would even identify as. Identify as. <clears throat> I remember when I first, I'm going to work backwards. When I first moved here and I was uh, interacting more with Nigerians uh, because when I was in the States, I was interacting more with African-Americans. You know, I felt out of place. I felt like I was more African-American than Nigerian or African because, you know, even before Afrobeats became hip, like I didn't know any Nigerian songs or Nigerian artists. So I would know like just maybe one or two, but I couldn't tell you what songs they they sang or whatever the case may be. So I felt out of place in that moment. But it went, it's funny because when I was in the States, I definitely felt like, a Nigerian among African-Americans because, again, different backgrounds, different experiences, and so on and so forth. Um, and as far as, like, shaping my worldview, like, it's allowed me to be able to kind of understand different perspectives in a lot of ways. For example, you know, I've came across friends who could not really fathom the African-American experience, and then I would just kind of have to explain that it's not just a case of, like, there is a lot more of that, you know, if you want to say um, systematic beatdown, if you will, mm-hmm. and you can only understand if you actually live there, you know, um, because I remember I was talking to a friend one time, like, oh, you just can't understand why, you know, after some, some African Americans can't like get their stuff together. I'm just like, mm, that's not really how it works, you know, like it's, again, I'm only, I was only able to explain or talk more about that because i have lived the experience myself you know so for me like as far as like shaping my worldview like it's allowed me to form a whole new identity for myself if you ask me today what am i i would say like i'm proudly nigerian canadian you know but uh, my experiences over the last 24 years have allowed me to be able to live different experiences to further solidify that like you know my nigerian canadian identity doesn't have to be the same as yours you know, it's, it's different and it's unique in its own way, just like yours is unique in your own way. And that's what makes the beauty of the entire experience. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting because it's such a weird sentiment I find for mm-hmm. people to have because um, I've not I've not been in Canada for as long as you have, but I certainly feel like there are systematic like limitations to people of color and... Yep you know, especially black people. And then if you're an immigrant, then there's layers and intersectionalities to it. The crazy thing is that one thing that was unique, that is unique in my experience, is just that like, you're noticeably black. (laughs) You know, being outside of Nigeria and being in Venezuela was the first time that the concept of being black even became a thing. Mm -hmm. So you had to like, I had to like face that challenge of, you know, of racism or people just being not nice, (laughs) you know, so to speak. And then going to the States, you know, once again, it's like, okay, so not only am I black, I'm also African or Nigerian. And then you have African-Americans asking me like, oh, do they do this in Africa? Do they do this in Nigeria? And then you have, you know, the, I would say Caucasians, you know, being their usual selves, not all of them, obviously, but you know, like that experience is still, you're still experiencing what it is to be a black American and also be like an other within that space too as well. Yeah. And then coming to Canada to here too as well, you find that I don't know, it's it's very odd, like the black experience, because it's always no matter where you are, it seems you there is a there's an experience unique to the pigmentation of your skin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which yeah. which like I, I was like no matter where I was outside of being in a black dominated country, 
there is a unique experience that is directly tied to the color of my skin. So. That is so interesting because, um, yes, yes, and there's an experience unique to the color of your skin. But by the time you open your mouth and you have an accent, that further impacts how people see you, even within that mm -hmm. same color of skin. Yeah, exactly, you know what yeah. I mean? And I guess that inspires a question from me because I'm really curious about your experience in Venezuela. And I know you were a kid, right? So you didn't have a lot of like adult agency that you have now. Um, but I'm really curious about um, what that was like because Venezuelans are not white people. They are also people of color. Um, but then experiencing racism from other people of color. Talk about that. Yeah, like I said, um, like it's touched on, you know, like it's just, it's just such a unique experience that has to do with this color of your skin. And I remember when, first of all, Venezuela was a culture shock, you know. Um, I had never seen so many other people in one space. And then two, there was also the language barrier too as well. And so not only do you stick out like a sore thumb, you can't speak the language. <laughs> And uh, even when, like, you know, there are mannerisms or phrases that, you know, my classmates would use that being, being from Nigeria, I wouldn't understand. You know, I'm trying to think of some right now, but nothing's coming to mind, you know. But, uh, oh, yeah, even this is something silly, but I remember the first time I heard the word fart, because in Nigeria, we don't say fart. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. somebody said fart, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Like, but I was too embarrassed to say anything. So I went to go Google. I mean, not Google. I went to look at a dictionary. Yeah. And even then, I was like, are they saying like F-A-R-D or what's, what, is, what are they saying? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, the accent. So just, it was uh, such a, it was, it was the first couple of years, like I said, the first two years was really tough only because, again, the language barrier and then just, you know, I would say kids being not used to seeing someone there's they, no they have darker skinned people for sure but i was obviously the darkest mm -hmm. there you know like they have um but for the most part like if you're looking like a scale from like you know dark to or black to white a lot of people would still trended towards more of the white side okay than anything else too as well because i was in a prominent school you tend to see a lot of whiter kids like you know even like the americans who were um in Venezuela for work, whatever they had their kids go to that school too as well. So it was still a predominantly white school. Okay. Uh, oh, white school, if you will, in quotations. Now, once I started to learn the language and then you understand what they're saying, you know, <laughs> saying about you, it became even more of a tougher experience. And I felt like from then, I felt like I had to do more to just be accepted, you know. Um, I remember one time, you know, I like, I was playing sports and I'd hit my head and scrape my head, my forehead. And obviously it's bleeding or whatever. And you can see the skin underneath it. And then one of the kids go, oh, so after all, you're white underneath. I'm just like, oh my God. Uh... And then as a, as a kid, you don't have to process it. If I go tell, I mean, I'll go home and tell my dad, but he doesn't get it. <laughs> he can never understand it because he's in an office setting. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's dealing with his own stuff too as well. But like, yeah. it's just something like he cannot possibly relate to. Mm -hmm. and his response was going to read your book. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, that was, like I said, it was the first two years. I'm not going to lie. They were they were tough to navigate. And then um, after that, you know, once I actually started to, like, form friends, you know, start to, I don't know, it's it sucks to say, but kind of show that I have value within myself. Wow. Then you start to see, like, more people warm more kids warm up but like i said why do i even have to do that if i was like a white kid or something like it would have just been easy to assimilate you know but yeah. that was not the case 
I'm really curious now that you brought up your dad. Have you ever had this conversation with him of like his own experience within all these different um, racially and culturally different spaces for work? And he's trying to, you know, be there for his family, provide for his family. But did you ever or have you ever had a conversation with your dad just to ask about his own experience with racism or being the other quote and unquote in all those different spaces? Yeah, we've definitely talked about it in, we've definitely talked, after the fact, of course, as we're both adults now, we've definitely talked about it, or I'm an adult now anyway, so I can have this conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing from since time has always been like, yeah, he may have experienced one or two microaggressions in that space, but he just lets his work do the talking for him, mm-hmm. you know, so his all his entire mindset was as long as I can show without a shadow of a doubt like I'm irreplaceable in this space or I can get the work done, then it doesn't matter really. So his entire thing was to kind of almost ignore it mm-hmm. and just get to the task at hand, which me myself I have issues with per se because I don't think that sort of thing works for everybody. Right. But um, that was his own approach to it. And that's really what he preached. So whenever when I was younger, when I would say, hey, you know, I'm having a tough, not that I would say like that, but I'd be like, basically, I'm having a tough time at school because of X, Y, Z. They'd be like, yeah, well, you won't have a tough time if you're the smartest in the class or whatever the case is. Like, that doesn't really translate, but it's okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> imagine being being that you're only propped up because of your, I don't know, what you can do for a predominantly, at the end of the predominantly white company or whatever the case may be. I know something about that still never really um, rubbed me the right way, but that was basically the extent of our conversations and how he handled being an other and all this different. Because even before we all traveled, he was traveling, like he traveled to the Euro- to, to Europe for a bit, to UK, Amsterdam for work, and then come back. You know, like he was already more exposed to <clears throat> a majority of the cultural differences before we even, like we as in my family, got exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And that was his approach to it. Wow. That makes sense because I feel like with a lot of people, my parents or our parents um, generation, the idea and not just even black, I don't think. I think it's mostly with like people of color, like you would hear a lot Mm -hmm. of like Asians and um, folks from other uh, communities and cultures say this as well, that it's almost like that weird um, uh, performative gratitude of like oh you're here just be grateful you're here and mm-hmm. like do the best yeah. that you can and prove that you're very valuable and you know exactly. then they'll start to look at you with respect and things like that and i mean there is truth to that because the moment you start there to is, show yeah. yourself you know people start mm-hmm. to look at you differently like oh oh yeah. well hello my name and you know they start to address you properly and treat you yeah. with more respect and um but it's just a weird thing that like it should not be earned it should not have yeah. to be earned because for for you to be in that space at all, that means you are qualified, qualified and yeah. valuable enough to be in yeah. that space. So for you to find yourself there and and still realize that you have to work harder than everybody else and putting extra time and and you know still put with a smile on your face while yeah, yeah. everyone mm-hmm. else is is being the, you know normal, it, it's. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really tough. It's tough. And, and I would imagine like our parents did it for us at the end of the day. Exactly, it's like, yeah. I can't lose this job. You know, I have mm-hmm. a family, I have children to mm-hmm. feed school fees and all mm-hmm. these things need to be done. So like, mm-hmm. I, I admire the resilience and the mental toughness that it takes, 
but at the same time, my heart kind of aches for them that mm-hmm. like they're not really mm-hmm. able to feel feelings and process mm-hmm. it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it is definitely a double-edged sword. Like I said, you know, like like you rightly said, there is truth and merit to the fact that yes, you know, like you know, people will give you the respect when you when you or the, I guess the acknowledgement when you are good at what you do. Like, there's nothing wrong with being good at what you do. But my thing was just like, why do I have to be the best at anything to even get basic respect? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or yeah. basic acknowledgement, so to speak, when that is not the same qualification for anybody else. Why do I have to come into a space and be the smartest kid in the school so that I can now make friends? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you know, just, so yeah, the mathematics is like two <clears throat> times two, twenty-two. It it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. So, what is blackness then to you? Having you know experienced it, blackness, Nigerianness, Africanness, um, and your own cultural difference or similarities in all the different spaces that you have lived in. What what is blackness to you then? How would you describe blackness? Um, for me, I know personally, uh, I didn't really realize I was black until I moved to Canada and all of a sudden, like all of a sudden I, I was just boxed into this group of people that are black Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh Mm -hmm. wow. Well, that is new, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's, it could be really tough because like as Nigerian, like Nigeria is an African country, so it's predominantly black people. Um, so you get, you're described by, you know, your culture, your name, like things like that, but to just be kind of grouped in with a demographic that, oh, you're black. Like it's, there's, there's, there's something that just does not sit right with me, but it just is the reality of, of living in the diaspora. You know what I mean? Where you are black and then (laughs) you can start to break down your blackness of like, oh, I'm African-American or I'm from Nigeria or I'm Ghanaian or, you know, my parents are from Haiti, you know, and that's when, but it's under that blackness that you can now start like describing where you're from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what is Mm -hmm. that? What is blackness to you having lived in all these different spaces? I'm actually going to ask that question in phases. And I think um, like one thing I will start with is like, I, I will not go into like a space of, like, let's say I was in Nigeria right now. I'm living among Yoruba people. I'm not Yoruba. So nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, you're Yoruba because you're living with Yoruba people or because mm-hmm. you look like Yoruba. Like, they'll exactly. be like, oh, you know, you're, I'm Isoko. You know, whereas with, like, especially living in North America, <clears throat> you're all, we're all under that black monolith, regardless of where we come from. And that's, for me, that's what blackness isn't. It is not a monolith. Exactly. And that's what my, I don't know if that's been beaten around the bush, but that's what my experience across, I guess, North America and South America has ta- told me. It's just like there are so many different ways or, yeah, to express blackness or to be black. It's almost a disservice to just lump a group of people as like, oh, they're this, mm-hmm. you know, because not nothing wrong with that. Like, I love being black, but like my blackness and your blackness and, you know, J- James' blackness are all different types of blackness, you know. Mm-hmm. I can, I even, um, I've met, uh, what, do you call, what do you call, like black, um, Afro, why, why am I blanking out? I've met Afro uh, Latinos, there we go. 
met mm-hmm. Afro-Latinos and they are unique in this, in like, they're, I find them to be very, very unique just because it's just like, they have a black experience that is so far removed from the ones we have here, mm-hmm. you know, and that the ones that you see in the States, obviously. And more often than not, I find that like the, the States is often used as the measurement of what it means to be black. Yeah, and I can't disagree with that more. Yeah, again, and that's across the board. You know, like you know, like when you think of black people, most people's minds automatically go towards like African Americans. You know, um, mm-hmm. which is which is not. It's kind of doing a disservice to every version of black people. So, for me, I think the big thing to take away is just like being blackness means a whole host of things that just can't be put into one thing because once you start starting to define blackness you start to all of a sudden people are not acting black people are not talking black like oh why do you talk like this Mm -hmm. it's like "Mm," you know that was a big thing when i was living in the states it's just like oh you talk white no i just talk how i talk (laughs) you know and it's from this is from this is from african-americans you know it's like i just talk talk white talk yeah Wow, you know, like oh, you talk white. I'm just like no, like so. I, wait, wait, wait. It's it's speak. It's talking white, basically speaking with proper grammar. Even that, I would say I have a problem with. But yes, that's what basically translated to, like you know, because I enunciated my words, etc. All of a sudden, I talked white. I'm just like no, there's no one way for black people to talk. <laughs> Period. You know, black people talk in different ways. You know, yeah. even like, and I got this from again from both black and white people. Like oh, you know, you're different from it's like no i'm just my own version of black i have like that has nothing to do with i am a product of my experiences just like people here are part of their experiences and people in canada are part of their no matter of fact when i moved to canada and it's it's a wrong thinking they're just like where is the black identity because you had like the africans in this space the caribbeans in this space you know um and even among the Africans, like the, the west africans over here mm-hmm. the sudanese over there yeah. they're just like where is like that black identity you know, because African Americans, like, I guess because they've lived in the States for so long, why most of us in Canada are like immigrants, you know, um, there are very few or the numbers. I know there is like a large or a decent population of black people who grew up in, who have a history in Canada. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have the numbers, but I want to say the majority of black people in Canada are immigrants or at least second generation immigrants. And so... Just to answer, just to circle back and answer your question, I, for me, blackness is, is so, it's just our skin color to be to be honest. But it's such a whole host, like it's that's the beauty of it. I've come across black from different backgrounds, and I'm just stunned by their different experience. Like I'm, you know, it, it's it's very crazy. So it's just we're not a monolith. We're not one thing. We're just a whole bunch of cultures, you know, and who just happen to be black. Yeah, so basically, blackness cannot be defined by one yeah. thing or the other. You mentioned a few really interesting points when when you were um, talking. 100%, blackness is not a monolith. Like, that right there is a myth. Um, and it's so interesting because, like, at the U.S., there, there are these, like, words people... You, People, I don't know if people use it, use these words to describe the countries like Canada and the U.S. or they have described themselves in the, in this way. Um, Canada is described as a mosaic of cultures, and then and then uh, the U.S. is described as a melting pot, mm-hmm. where all these cultures come in to mix, 
and mm-hmm. assume an identity under like the American culture, whether that is American, you know, African American or Asian American or whatever. And within Canada, the idea of the mosaic is that you can still maintain your your cultures as much mm-hmm. as possible while living in this larger space and larger culture of Canada. Yeah, I appreciate the heart behind it and the intention, um, but in a lot of ways, it's not. I, I don't think it's um it's true to people's experiences in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah, I think that thing about talking white is such a weird statement because yeah. for me, I feel like it is internalized ra- racism. Yeah. If a black person should say that they have internalized the racism and if a white person says it, it is racist, period. Because like, what is your idea of what of how a black person speaks? Is it based on media what is it based on you know what i mean uh Uh it's just it's just one of those things that really grates on my nerves and then if by the time you bring accent into it because there's some people Uh that truly believe that if someone is speaking with an accent they're dumb yeah or that english English is not their first language There, there are people that just have those weird um assumptions and there are these like weird myths that people strongly believe around um around language and around speech english language and it's just a really bizarre thing that is Mm -hmm. just so widely accepted by community by the society that just needs to be like broken and thrown into the trash can yeah actually even even a couple years ago i remember speaking to a gentleman just like randomly and uh, he's like man your english is so good you know because he asked my name and then I was just like, oh, my name is Obaru. And he was like, man, you know, you must not be from here because of your name. He's like, your English is so good. How, how come? I'm just like, oh, because English is the first language. He's like, but you weren't born here. I'm like, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> you know, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and that's, I feel like that's Canadian's ver- like, version of just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say microaggression just more so just that that sheer ignorance that is blatant racism because (laughs) the racism is even ignorant (laughs) the british people colonized a lot of places including the u.s i I don't find that these are like some kind of hidden knowledge i feel like it's like should be basic stuff but then again the guy was so stunned he's like wow even if you don't know it's fine not to know stuff like you don't know everything right so it's okay Mm -hmm. to be ignorant about some things but if you know that if someone asks you that question if the table was turned and someone else asked you that question it will sound funny in your ears don't ask it to somebody else google it (laughs) you know exactly it's like he's like man he was like so convinced like so you've been here a while right I'm like, I have been here a while, but that has nothing to do with my ability to speak English. <laughs> I was born speaking English. I'm going to die speaking English, you know, like. Anyways, <laughs> now that we've got that off our chest. Um, yeah. So my next question then would be, how would you say that your self-identity has evolved in all these different spaces that you've lived in? Your sense of self and your self-identity, how would you say it has mm-hmm. been impacted by these spaces? Yeah, and I know I've answered this in bits and pieces, but I think, for, like, like, again, for me, it's just my assuredness in who I am. Like, like I said, I am Nigerian-Canadian. I have never been more Nigerian-Canadian than I, am, than I am today in my life, you know? So it's just further affirmed my identity um having all these experiences and you know for my for myself i am a combination of all of these experiences um and i 
you know, I can be in a space where I can get along with, you know, Africans or Nigerians, you know, with quite ease. I can be in a space where I can connect and relate to African-Americans. You know, my ability to speak Spanish allows me to be in a place where I can speak with them, Afro-Latinos, you know. So it's, it's, I think it's just giving, giving me like a, it's still a very small window, but a small window into how massive Blackness is and further I feel so sure in my own self, you know, of where I stand in this, you know, diaspora, if you will, or I don't know how you want to call it, but yeah, it just made me be more sure of myself because for the longest time I did question like, okay, what am I really? I'm not really African-American, you know, I didn't go to boarding school in Nigeria, so I don't have all these experiences, <laughs> you know, like what, for literally for a good number of my, um, young adult, you know, early teen, I mean, late teenagers to early adulthood, I questioned where I stood as far as being black. You know, like, do I have to tell a story about where I'm from every time somebody asks me where I'm from? Like, no, no, I'm Nigerian Canadian. If you want my history, then sure, you can, I'll give you my history, but, you know, I am this person Mm -hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. So, yeah, it just allowed me to really embrace, um, especially that, like, it's funny because experiencing all of these different aspects of being black allowed me to embrace being Nigerian even more really? you know like I've never been more proud to be Nigerian okay even with all the issues that that country has you know I've never been more proud to be Nigerian so yeah that's amazing like I think if you're gonna be black you should be Nigerian but I'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> that's that Ninja pride <laughs> exactly you know like I, you know um yeah. uh Okay, that's really good to hear. I I'm Nigerian too, and I'm very proud of being Nigerian. See? I I'm really because you said some you in your I guess your journey of discovering or coming to a place of security within yourself of who you are. You talked about questioning if you are African American or you know trying to investigate that within yourself. And I feel like even the term African-American, like if these folks knew exactly where they were from, they would claim it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, uh-huh. if, if they were, if they knew that, oh, I am from, you know, my grandfather, my great, 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 great grandfather was from, um, you know, Nigeria, Mozambique, Zambia, like you don't think they'll claim it? Of course they'll claim it. There's oh, yeah, pride. They there, there's, it. Yeah. there's absolute yeah. pride in knowing your roots. Um, yeah. And so for me, I... I'm an artist, so I have to write like artistic bios all the time. And like the first line there is, I'm a Nigerian based in Canada. Cause that's truly yeah. how I how I see and view myself. I, I'm a Nigerian based in Canada. I now have two homes, Nigeria and Canada. And there's yeah. beauty and power in both places. And both places have issues. And that's just the reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And coming coming yeah. to a place of peace with that, with that, like no place is perfect, but being able to as much as you can take the best from both worlds and move forward Mm -hmm. that there's power and there's peace in that yeah that's really what it does boil down to at the end of the day like as you mentioned yourself you know like i every you know as i get older it's like no i'm the nigerian part comes first you know i'm nigerian then canadian you know and that identity was something that's been built over time over different experiences and i could not be prouder of 
So I have a question for you then. You have said that Canada is the place where you've lived in the longest mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know. Okay, let me use myself as an example. The longer I live in Canada, the more I kind of feel the urgency and the desire to hold on to my Nigerian culture and roots and heritage, the language, the pigeon, the food, um, the dance, the music, and all these different things. And I haven't been away from Nigeria as long as you have. And I'm curious how, what that process has been like for you of or your way of culturally trying to preserve the Nigerian in you then I'm assuming the good parts because every place again has good and bad parts but what has that journey been like for you preserving the parts of your Nigerianness, your Nigerian culture your Nigerian um, heritage and you know if you ever have kids in the future what do you see that process being like of passing down these values your nigerian values and and things like that to them yeah i get what you're saying i think for me what's holding on to that nigerian culture has looked like is just being among nigerians here in calgary um i there are one or two people here who call me ajabota (laughs) and that's fine you know (laughs) like i'm okay with that because like just being in your presence and being in your space has allowed me to not only hold on to things but re-remember things maybe not that song that you asked me in the beginning but just re-remember things, you know, <laughs> um, about right. what it is, like, in the Nigerian culture anyways. And so, for me, mm-hmm. what that has looked like here is just being friends with Nigerians, being going to Nigerian events, um, you know, playing, like, even, like, as uh, this was a while back, I went to a games night for with friends, and it was, like, a Nigerian board game with a bunch of Nigerian trivia. And some of it was familiar, some of it was very new. Just little things like that is how I hold on to or keep track of Nigerian culture. And I think it's something I would want to implement with my kids. It's just like just because you're out of the country doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be out of the culture, you know. So really like really again not losing track, immersing ourselves in the Nigerian culture, even outside of Nigeria. It's how I would approach it with my own kids. It's how I would, um, it's how I, well, how I approach it myself here. So I, I think, I was, was I able to answer your question? I think so. You, you're basically saying that community yeah, is yeah, important yeah, for yeah. you in preserving <laughs> your Nigerian values and heritage and culture. Because the last time I was in Nigeria was 2018. You know, I'm trying to make going back to Nigeria more of a frequent trip, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, it's all to, you know, like it's all to kind of be in touch with the culture. So when, la- so, you, okay, wait, you just said last time we were in Nigeria was 2018. How how long were you there for? Um, what, like two weeks? A week and a half? Because I was actually there just to bury my grandmother. Yeah. Oh, oh no, sorry it's quite a lot. Yeah, that's, that's really the reason. And the last time before that, because we moved in 99, and the last time before 2018 was in 2004, 2005. And it was like maybe a week or two, and we spent the majority of the time in hotels because my uh, parents didn't want us to be wandering around. So, <laughs> yeah, even when I was in Nigeria in 2018, we were in Lagos, my pa- my, my parents' house in Lagos, and then uh, we went to the village in Wari to bury my grandmother, back to Lagos, and then... Yeah, I came back. So I didn't. I didn't do anything. The most I did was go to like the markets, um, mm. and I was not the one buying things. So, 
So it was. You went sightseeing. Yeah, to I mean, it was. It was like I was basically a foreign. I mean, I am a foreigner at that point, you know. So when I say like, uh, like my next experience, I wanted to be a bit more authentic as far as authentic can go, anyways. You know, uh, where it's less, yeah. less. Um, because my parents are really protective, you know, and they, you know, but I feel like if I go on my own or if I go with friends, the experience will be vastly different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you now want to plan it, eh, go for dirty December. That's what I keep hearing. So I think I'm going to make it happen this year. Okay. I want to express myself because that's what everybody talks about. Everybody, they're like, no, if you have to go to Nigeria, just go to Nigeria during December. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you joined the IJGB gang. I just got back <laughs> gang. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I hope that goes well for you. I know, like, the last time I was in Nigeria was last year and I was there for mm-hmm. work. Um, but even though I was there for work, I kind of tried to squeeze a few days to just say hello to friends and, you know, but even the work I was doing, I was in the trenches mm. in Lagos, jumping bike, oh. you know, <laughs> entering buses, yeah. like trying to get to the market, being in the market for hours in the day and like, you know, mixing with all sorts of different cultures, pricing, you know, merchandise in the market, how much lasts. <laughs> You know things like things that. Are, I was actually wa- watching. Um, I was actually watching because uh, we went with my my parents' driver, and so he was in all. He was the one doing all the okay. negotiations. So I knew I was just standing there looking like, yeah, really, it's like bro, like bro. They, they would have they would have told they would have told me ten thousand naira. I'd be like, okay, here you go. <laughs> you know, actually, I was like, are you sure? Okay, here you go. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure it's not eleven thousand naira? Uh, okay. <laughs> that's that, see, that's that that's where I would say. I am not Nigerian at all in that space. Or that that like oh not even like a I don't know if it's a hustle cu- culture, but just a very is it high? Yeah, yeah. Is that the yeah, word you're looking for? I, I just yeah. I don't have the I know it's funny. My mom was gonna kill me for this. Remember the first time we were in Venezuela, my mom tried to haggle at the grocery store. At the grocery store? <laughs> That's something she was used to. So like, okay, so imagine like you buy I don't know, apples for ten dollars. It's like, okay, well uh, what about six dollars? <laughs> <laughs> that memory sticks with me to today because I was I know I was embarrassed because I'm just like again yeah. it's like hey mom let's can we not do this <laughs> let's go home <laughs> but not because not because I thought I knew better but just I just didn't want to be here any longer than I want to be <laughs> so yeah 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 no I feel like I I feel like I can haggle prices like uh-uh, how much last then if you now know a bit of like their language if the person's yoruba and you speak some yoruba or the person's evil then you speak some evil or things like that then it's even it takes it to the next level yeah, so like uh, i'm like oh no, I've, I've given up bro. <laughs> it's okay it's okay it's okay take it take it take it or if you or if you go to the market you can't be speaking all this english that you're speaking you have to break it down you have to bring you have to bring your worry pigeon mm-hmm. to them may they no say you know, <laughs> the only one I know is at the at the at the crease. Even though they don't believe me, even though they'll just look at me and be like, "Bro, who's this guy?" <laughs> Man, no, bro, you need that, to go and no, 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 I, I, I know, I know basic pigeon, but after once I put my mouth too much, you will know. You just know. But like, they they just smell, they just smell it. They're like, this one's not from here. It's okay. <laughs> like, all right. Oh my lord, that's funny. Okay, okay, okay. OBJ, thank you so much for your time here. This has been an amazing episode. 
And I just, I, I look forward to having you again. Amen. You know, I, this was, this was amazing. Amen. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And this was a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. So before you go, I want you to just drop a word of wisdom with us. You know, give us, give us a sprinkle of like the African proverb that your mom tells you all the time, or you heard from your uncle or something like that. Just leave us with, with something. Hmm. I think this is just more so from my own experience which is it will it always works out mm. you know, sometimes you find yourself in situations where it looks or it seems like there is there are no outs but it always works out and you don't there's it you never know how or the why but eventually you're gonna look back and be like oh wow that actually worked out so yeah that's my thing it, all, it always works out that is true that is word thank you so before you leave, just tell the people where they can find you on the internet, if you are on the internet. I am on the internet. What are my names, actually? So I'm on Instagram as obj underscore one. Let me make sure of that. Yep, obj underscore one is my Instagram name. It's where I'm the most active. I mean, I'm sure you can find me on Facebook, but you probably hear from me once every two years. And then I also have a Twitter too as well, which is not quite as active, which is OBJ1 underscore. But the big one is OBJ1, I mean, OBJ underscore one, which is on Instagram. So he does, he does like like fitness um, uh, videos from like Mm -hmm. the gym and he does these really funny skits and things like that. And he's also an actor. Yes. So if anyone from Disney is listening, please holler at me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll put that plug in there. You know, just holler. Actually, no, 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 no. If anyone is looking for an actor, holler at me. You know, it doesn't it doesn't okay. matter what it is. I can do it. But yeah, shameless very, plug. Very, You're very, like, very yep. shameless. But um, yes, yeah. My my page um has a lot of um me working out. I also do skits too as well. There hasn't been a lot of skits recently, but they will be coming back. And um, yeah, check me out. Yeah, awesome. Thank you again for for being with us today, Barrow. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to our listeners. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Afros in the Diaspora. I hope this episode left you feeling inspired and hopeful. To engage, feel free to like, follow, share, and subscribe to Afros in the Diaspora on all social media and podcast platforms. Remember to leave a review and a rating. If you would like to be a guest, please reach out. Send an email to hi at afrosinthediaspora.com. That is hi at afrosinthediaspora.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at afrosinthediaspora. Remember, there is beauty in our stories and power in our voices. Together, we are stronger. Until next time.